Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. On episode 15 of the Green Street Hammers podcast, Adam and Scott are here post-match to dissect an ugly away loss to Burnley. We then give our best West Ham 11s and look over some transfer rumors before ending with our Brighton preview. Happy New Year's! All right, welcome to the Green Street Hammers podcast. We are back and we are recording here after uh, a disappointing loss to Burnley. Uh, before we get into that, I'll introduce uh, introduce sorry the the always present Scott Johnson. Scott, how's it going from uh, from Australia? Yeah, good. Thanks. Uh, not exactly the result I wanted to wake up to, but um, we go. We're West Ham. We've well, had through what we've had worse. Exactly. <laughs> we've had worse. I wouldn't say not many worse in, in a long time, but uh, it's it certainly. Uh, Takes a little bit of the wind out of the sails, but what's lovely about the the holiday season is that we have another match just around the corner, and we can always sort of jump to that. Uh, let's get into the Burnley match here and see exactly what happened. Uh, the final score ended up going 2-0 to Burnley, both first half goals. Um, both goals... There were some glaring errors on, uh, and I would hate to point the finger, but uh, Angelo Ogbonna, who's filling in for Fabian Balbuena, seems to be the culprit at both of them uh, as well. Mikel Antonio was not very solid uh, as a right-back today where he showed against Southampton that he, he actually uh, has a little bit of medals. Like he, he, he's not too bad at that. But, uh, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a great performance from Ogbonna today. Do, do, you, do you see Ogbonna as, as lasting through January here for West Ham? I think he lasts through January at the moment because we simply don't have much of an alternative. Uh, I mean, so I, I think everyone agrees that Balbuena and Diop are the two we have in the middle for a considerable time now. They're both, well, Diop's very young and uh, is certainly not old. So I think we've uh, we've got a nailed on pairing there sort of for the foreseeable future. But who do we have after that? That's the the issue. We don't really want to be moving Rice around because he's uh, he's really settled in that defensive midfield role. Uh, and Reed's not back yet, so yeah, I I think he lasts through uh, through January. But I don't want to be relying on him past the end of the year. Uh, he came in from Juve. He had he had a lot about him there. And he just seems to have slowed down and uh, like not necessarily physically but just mentally just doesn't seem to be as sharp as he was when he joined so i think that is a worry for us as soon as we have to rotate there there's a big there's a big gap between the, the our starting pair and ogbonna yeah I, i'm i'm not entirely certain that uh that he'll be here at the end of january just based on the fact that i, I you know everyone always uh suggests that the west ham board their only um focus is making money uh, and if you want to make money, you have to sell players when they have the most value or higher value. And if you wait till 
if you wait till the summer window and he puts in a couple more performances like he did today, you're going to have a lot of, you know, evaporated value because, you know, he'll be sort of outed as a 30-something-year-old defender, not as good as he once was, makes poor decisions, and hurts his team when he's playing. Uh, I think if there's if there's actually some interest from Italy, like uh, it was reported in the summer, West Ham should try and flip him. I mean, I mean, Husilios and, and Pellegrini both have targeted players who had low dollar value to them, who've shown they can play a role. Balbuena being probably the biggest one. Uh, I think he was what four and a half million pounds. Which, yeah, which is yeah, not nice, a nice little release clause there. But yeah, not a not a massive uh, massive amount of investment in him and you get yourself a starting premier league center back so there's certainly some some uncovered gems that are still out there and also when you're looking to replace your third choice center back it's not the end of the world if they aren't a world beater you just want them to do the basics well and i don't think Ogbonna does the basics well and he showed that again today it, it was shocking at times i believe uh but nonetheless it's over um we'll probably have him back there again what's going to help is having Pablo Zabaleta back, most likely, should he get over the flu, I think he has right now, uh, for the game against Brighton, which is uh, on January 2nd. So hopefully there'll be a little more leadership and stability out there. But uh, one thing, uh, before we move on from Ogbonna, um, something I've noticed about uh, Issa Diop is he tends to run up the pitch, whether it's to, to take a couple yards and try and win a header off of a goal kick or to, to run up and make a tackle and turn the ball over. Um, it works really well with, with Balbuena because... Balbuena likes to sit back further. He is sort of your safety blanket, but Ogbonna started to do this in, in this match as well, and uh, it just left the back line, that high line that has to be so tight and well-drilled. It just left it a little bit porous and, and vulnerable to be attacked. And credit to Burnley today. I mean, they are uh, one of the worst teams in the league, and they ended up looking like one of the best teams in the league today compared to some of our competition that we've played. So um, I don't know what to say. Yeah, we, we missed Zabaleta. And uh, Ogbonna not let, lighting the world on fire, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I won't say too much more about the game. I don't think there's... Or, well, or, Ogbonna's performance was poor. Uh, you can highlight the two goals. The first one, he doesn't get close to the man that jumps on the edge of the box. Uh, so there's a huge issue there. And and then the second one, his clearance is... Uh, it's, Oh, it's horrendous. He doesn't get any distance on it. He doesn't allow the defense any time to recover. And as you say, he just seems to make the wrong decisions. He seems to get caught, uh, not necessarily ball watching, but sort of just going through the motions. Doesn't really make active steps. And then when he's sort of copying his um, partner in defense there, it's, it's not the move you want him to make all the time. Uh, Burnley, this year have been pretty poor but they haven't really changed their side from last year when and the year before when they were having decent success they were being very resilient being very strong so they have always had the ability there to do the right thing uh so just as much as we didn't click it seems that they did and i think we have to be aware that it's not only our form that decides a match it's the other team's form as well and they seem to be in form uh, just uh, you have to take your bad luck sometimes and go well we didn't get that we didn't get the rubber the green there they they played for us Tom Heaton came back and played well uh, made an important and, uh, save at the end on Andy Carroll yeah, yeah and he, he um, they they did make some changes and they, it worked for them 
Uh, so as much as we're going to be sitting here going, we didn't look very good, they played much better than us, Burnley fans are going to be talking about how they uh, they stepped it up and didn't allow us to play well. So it you have to take the fact that we're not the we're not the sole determinants of this kind of match. That's that's very true. You have to always factor in the other sides uh, when it's against teams that are in the lower half and, and teams that have played like Burnley have. Um, it's easy to overlook that because you're thinking, oh, it doesn't matter. Like we'll go ahead and play our game, whatever. Um, for two teams that set up in a quote unquote four four two, completely different, uh, completely different visuals and, and you know completely different uh, impact that the, the two teams had. Uh, for West Ham, I thought Snodgrass was invisible. I thought Lucas Perez uh, was might as well have not started, and it looked to me like Burnley had. 11 men on the pitch and we had 10. I don't know why it felt like that. Arnautovic ran and, and, you know, it was a surprise to have him back. Hindsight's 2020. I wouldn't have started him today. Um, but he, he came off in the 70th minute for uh, a Premier League debut for Zonda Silva, who looked good. Um, I'm not convinced he's a striker based on how he was playing. He looked like he was more of a winger. Uh, he was coming back really, really deep and not really supporting Andy Carroll in the middle of the pitch at all. But, but that's something for a different time. Um, it just felt like Felipe Anderson... We're trying to funnel the ball through him as much as we could. And beside him was Declan Rice in the midfield today. And that left Mark Noble and Robert Snodgrass on the right side. And Burnley was plummeting down that right side, getting after Antonio, going after Noble and Snodgrass, who both had poor games, and basically filling up and pressuring them in the midfield. I thought the middle of the pitch for West Ham uh, was completely, completely uh, non-existent. Declan Rice was great, as he always is, at uh, making the tackles, turning over the ball, and, and being that sort of pressure point. But one player doesn't do enough for everyone else. Dean Gana played far too wide. Felipe Anderson was double teamed at every time he had the ball. I actually think Felipe Anderson had one of his best games without scoring a goal or assisting on a goal. Um, he looked uh, a threat when he had the ball. He just see And him and Cresswell are getting that chemistry that we saw uh, Mazuaku and Anderson have uh, early in the season which is good. I think Cresswell is going to be the starter moving forward, and we're going to see Mazuaku played as a sub, probably as a forward. Um, but regardless of that, I think Felipe Anderson, the cat's out of the bag with him. Everyone knows he's got the that magical right foot, and everyone knows he's got a dribble or two. And uh, he showed it off today again. Just there, there wasn't the quality on the other end of it. Um, but I just there, there was too many passengers in this game for West Ham. Uh, Mikel Antonio, you're never. I'm not going to slag him off because he's not a right back. We all know that. It's not fair, right? Um, he was getting picked on, and what you would love to have seen is what Obiang did for Antonio against Southampton. Obiang essentially played right back for half the game. He he let Antonio go up up the pitch. He stuck kind of wide to the to the sideline and covered back for him. Noble had no intention of doing that. I don't. He he jumped into a, a tackle that could have been another red card. Got himself suspended for the next match against Brighton, and uh, he he he's not above criticism, but he takes a lot of stick for um, for stuff that a lot of a lot of other players don't. I think this is one of the matches where he kind of he kind of earns a little bit of criticism. He looked like he was kind of running around with his head cut off. He he wasn't making passes. He wasn't intercepting. He wasn't doing much of anything uh, in this match, let alone hurting the team when uh, when he almost took that red card, which you know. It was a flip of the coin, whether it was a yellow or red. He came with his cleats up late, right into the defender's legs. He was given a red for a tackle that looked pretty similar to that before. Um, I don't know. There, there, it was just an off game. I don't know if a bogey, bogey team, bogey match. It was just a, a team that we didn't really seem to to get up for. 
Yeah, I think you you hit the nail on the head when you said there are too many passengers. I think that's our issue. Uh, I've been a big fan of Anderson for a while. For the first few games, I think he showed promise. But it's a case of when he doesn't have a barnstorming game, we can't... The rest of them can't be seen around. I think Perez is a little bit bit guilty recently of being just a bit uh, lackadaisical, just a bit too uh, calm is the wrong word because calm implies he's in control uh, but he doesn't he doesn't sort of go okay this isn't working right now let's try something different um, and as you say like, I can't criticise Antonio he's playing out of position um, there are players there that just don't don't have the quality all the time to really or they don't seem to be able to want, want to change the game. They don't want to sort of go, okay, Anderson is, as you say, he was being, they, they obviously identified Anderson as the threat, which is fair. He's on, he's, he's on form. He's quick. He's pacey. He, he hits the ball from long range. He gets the ball in decent areas. So, yeah, he's going to be our main outlet. And I think it's maybe a case of time when we... Uh, like we lose out with they're not having Yarmolenko. I love Snodgrass, but um, Yarmolenko has that added sort of power about him. Physicality, and, uh, not necessarily yeah. speed, but the size, right? Yeah, just okay. He's he's not slow by any means, but you you try and stop him when he's moving at pace, and he he's just that that bit harder than Snodgrass to deal with. I know he's so one footed, but he still somehow managed to get past people. Yeah, and. It's that it's that kind of extra thing, and Dean Garner will have that in time, um, that that kind of drawer of players away from the rest of the team. But he doesn't yet, and I think we are suffering a little bit from the rotation we have. If if they do nullify our threats, then like, our main threat, then we're really struggling to create. Although our Nartovich being back is a massive boost for future. I mean, we can't expect him to just walk back in the team and be like, oh, yep, now I'm back on form. Cool, I can score loads of goals again. All right, that will come. He will get back on the goal-scoring trail because he's a goal-scorer. That's what he does. Um, But, yeah, I think we've uh, just got to move on and go, yeah, the things didn't work today. It doesn't mean all is lost. we still got, was it five wins in seven? Yep. And that's something that, again, if you'd offered us, to be honest, if you'd offered us the December we had at the start of December, I don't think many people would have turned it down. It's it's a case of like looking at the two we lost is, is annoying. Yeah, of course it is. So Watford and Burnley are both games that are winnable. But then Southampton away when they were in form was seen as a tricky one. It, you, you take some rough with the smooth. And I think that's... Uh, for West Ham, five out, five and seven is it's a massive improvement. And although we could have gone seventh, we've <laughs> got to just sort of go. Look, yeah, the, these things may come to us, but this is still a team that's um, being gelled together, and we'll find it eventually. Yeah, and, and I mean the last thing I, I'll bring up with this uh, specific match is is uh, a positive, and that would be Andy Carroll. Uh, I thought he came on and looked uh, completely different than he had the pre- in the previous match when he came on against Southampton. He looked solid as well. Uh, and the one before that, he was brutal. But he, he came on here and immediately Cresswell, it was like muscle memory. All of a sudden, he's chipping crosses over. He's putting the ball into the box. And people were trying to find him. Dean Ghana 
threw away a beautiful look at the net in order to try and cross the ball. Mikel Antonio was crossing on his left foot. Um, it, it was crazy. Everyone everyone seemed to boil down and say, all right, let's do this the uh, the easy way or the, the more simple way, I should say. And Carroll got his head on a beautiful, a beautiful uh, cross from Crestwell at the end of the match, forced Heaton into a, an awesome save. But um, Carroll... Carroll gets a lot of shtick again from people who uh, jump on him for the price tag that he that he has and the, the wages that he makes while being injured all the time. Um, he's so effective though. He he he's he's someone who comes on the pitch and you can't ignore him. He's a, a guy you automatically adjust your game plan. And uh, I, I think I think I, I would. He played now. He played some solid minutes this match. So I think I would I would really give him. Uh, I would really give him a run out and basically see if he can start a match, see if he can get you more than a half of play. Uh, it just, it just really, it was a positive for me to see him getting in the box, battering people around. He got a yellow card for literally nothing uh, when he has people crawling all over his back whenever he plays. It was crazy, but um, yeah, Carol, he, he's rounding into form, and I understand what Pellegrini's doing, and I kind of have an appreciation for it. Waiting, his big guy, his big money guy back into the matches rather than force them into force himself into getting injured again. He did the same thing with Antonio who's playing week in week out now in positions where he has to run a lot harder than he did before as a center forward and as a right back now. So yeah, there's, there's things that are positive that we could take from this match. Just overall wasn't our day. We didn't uh, have the midfield uh, toughness to, to be there and we didn't take our chances when they came and handed away opportunities. So um that's it for Burnley. Don't want to dwell on it too much, even though that's been like 15 minutes of solid dwelling on it. Uh, <laughs> what we will do is uh, we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back after this. All right, welcome back here. And uh, for the second section of this show, we are going to um, do two little things here. Uh, and in the in the in sort of the theme of the ending year and uh, and basically, you know fresh starts and, and what have you uh, we are going to give our best teams for West Ham based on the players we have right now uh, that's if everyone was fit we have a full team and a full bench who do we have uh, coming on here and uh, which formation do we want to use which you know what's the personnel we're going to be picking that's going to be all up in the air here so um, I doubt that we'll be different on this one but there's no better place to start than at the back uh, and uh, I have Fabianski who, who I couldn't imagine you have Adrian no, I think it's pretty obvious we have we have two keepers at the moment, and we have a number one and a number two. It's yeah. uh, that it, it's the way of the world. Fabianski is a better keeper than Adrian. And now, as we get into maybe the more not difficult but more possibly controversial part of the team here, um, what's the formation that you're picking if you have uh, West Ham's best team? Um, I go with um, I I don't. Go with a four-four-two. Go with a four-two-three-one. Uh, go with my sort of uh, central attacking player just behind the striker, uh, offering those runs it'd be behind. But um, yeah, uh, not quite Pellegrini's chosen formation, but yeah, pretty close. Yeah, I I was really really tempted based on personnel, and when I started going through the. Uh the bench players and looking at the senior team, I'm like, oh, oh no, maybe it'll fit that better. I stuck with the four-two-two-two, um, but uh, let, let's look at right backs here. Zabaleta is mine, yours as well, I assume. Yeah, Zabaleta at the moment. I've got. I do do hope Fredericks will come back from injury and uh, put a bit of a claim on the spot. But um, yeah, right now it's Zabaleta. Uh, I can't really look past it. Yeah, and you have to have Fredericks prove it first. What may be good for him is that the team isn't. 
um, desperately in search of players who can make a difference. They, like the team's clicking. They're, they're getting points. We're, we're safely away from the relegation zone as it stands right now and most likely for the rest of the season. So um, come in and just play your game. It was terrible. Yeah. All the congested fixtures come in uh, for December, and Fredericks gets hurt when he would have had a great chance to get multiple games, uh, maybe some in a row, and take over that spot. But the football yeah, gods are cruel sometimes, aren't they? Um, all right, center backs. Who do you got? I think these two pick themselves at the moment as well. Uh, I don't. I can't really look past the the open Balbuena. Uh, Reed, obviously, if we're talking about a fully fit side, comes back into consideration. Uh, but I think right now you'd be silly to argue. Well, I don't think it's. You can argue that they're not our best pair. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and to your point on Reed, uh, he'll resurface later for me. I have Ogbonna not uh, anywhere near the first team right now. Uh, maybe that's just the sour taste left in my mouth. Um, left back, who do you have there? I have I have Aaron Cresswell. I don't, I'm curious to see if you have him or Mazuaku. Uh, I thought about it for a bit, but I did go with Cresswell simply because I think I think uh, Mazuaku is at times very lively, very good going forward, but I don't think he has the positioning now and uh, defensive awareness to really be a long-term option in that position. Unless you're playing uh, five at the back with two wing backs, I don't think um, he's a long-term option in that position. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with you there. Um, so you went four-two-three-one. so you have a double pairing of uh, holding midfielders, correct? Yes. And uh, I can only imagine Declan Rice is one of those players, seeing as how he didn't pop up as a center back. Um, yep. Who do you have beside him? Uh, I currently have Noble still. Uh, I did debate this for a while. I, have a, I, I love Obiang. Um, I think he's a wonderful passer of the ball. Uh, I do think his movement's very nice on the pitch. Uh, and also there is Wilshire when he's fully fit. Uh, I just don't think Wilshire's best position is holding uh he can get a little bit out of position when asked to stay back too long um and i think if you were to, again talking about a an 11 for any other side you probably don't know uh, you probably aren't going to pick noble but uh, when you're tr- talking about a west ham side i think this this side is better with noble in it at the moment and i think that's that's why he's in my first 11. Yeah, it's like a good context pick, really. Um, I have the, the same, uh, not the same people, but the same sort of idea. Two holding midfielders uh, in Rice. We don't even have to talk about. He's walking onto almost every team in the Premier League right now. Um, but beside, <laughs> excuse me. Oh, uh, beside him, I have Jack Wilshere. Um, not in a traditional holding role that you see Noble in right now, but more of a box-to-box role. Um, when you get the ball in possession, he takes off and runs down there and gets up in the play as well as then uh, comes back and, and supports Rice, who would be sort of playing more central rather than in a, in a pairing there. Um, maybe this would be like a 4-1-1-2-2, which is insane. But you know what I mean? The, you have this guy who yeah. is responsible on both sides of the ball. Uh, and uh, I think the way West Ham plays, and with with more forwards in front of him, Wilshere could be more effective. Um just based off of how West Ham tends to hold on to possession now, uh, opposed to the beginning of the season. But I, I think there's an undeniable quality to Wilshere, and uh, we've been we've been robbed of that based off of his injuries here. So uh, I, I think he could do that really well. And we all heard, uh, heard uh, Pellegrini's thoughts on what he believed Wilshere could be, which was that 
Pirlo-esque uh, holding midfielder who gets up the pitch. So I don't know. That's high praise. Um, you have your, your three up next. Um, let's start on the right side. Who do you have as your right winger? Uh, right winger is Yarmolenko. I think he he looked really good first before he got injured. He was just starting to really get into his role there. I think that's uh, um, I think he offers more than others in that role. Um, I mean, I did did consider how people have done like Snodgrass and um, uh, Dean Garner have come in done well. I just don't think they have as much as um, as Yarmolenko in that position. Yeah, he's a talented, talented guy. What a shame again with him. Um, and then in the center of the pitch, across your three, who's there? Uh, Lanzini, uh, the uh, lesser spotted Argentinian. Uh, I think we've, um, I think he's a, a brilliant natural number ten as such. Uh, sitting in that role, uh, I think he's capable of one dropping back. Um, dropping back and picking up the ball from midfield if necessary, but he's also capable of just popping up in front of the striker, uh, especially with someone like Arnautovic who does move around, um, just popping up in the, as the most advanced player. And he's quality, he's quality in the box, and he's able to take past one or two players himself. Uh, I think, yeah, he's the best number 10 we have. Again, I considered Wilshire for this role uh, in my sort of in my head with the best 11, but yeah, we're... Uh, I think he's he's got to be in that side. Awesome. I, I, I can't disagree with, with the uh, uh, application of Lanzini there. What about on your left side? Maybe this one's a little uh, forecasted yeah, too. Yeah, I, I think, again, if, you, if you're looking at the West Ham side and you have to pick Anderson in this position, another uh, he's a little, oh, he's less one-sided than Yarmolenko is on the other, but he's, he's right-foot dominant. And, um, yeah, the inverted sort of, inverted forward positions there really would lend themselves to an attacking setup and I think uh, I think Anderson's done exceptionally well since he came in and right now he's undroppable yeah I uh, I agree with you so much that uh, in my two of attacking midfielders I have Anderson on the left attacking midfield side where he has the ability to, to roam in and on the right side I have Lanzini um, it was a toss-up between Lanzini and Yarmolenko um, and I think if you're going to play strictly out on the wide side, I would want Yarmolenko there. But due to it being that sort of roaming role, uh, if it was a 4-2, four, four I would have Yarmolenko. But because there's that uh, responsibility of getting to the middle of the pitch and uh, getting up with the strikers, I think I would take Lanzini there. Just based off purely of his, of his, uh, his uh, creativity and how he can create with the ball. Um, you have one striker and I have two. Um, maybe we can cancel each other out here because I assume yours is Arnautovic and one of mine is as well. Yes. Uh, I, again, I think it's a, a non-decision. If you've got a fully fit side, who's your striker? Arnautovic. Yeah, he, he's he's just plain and simple, our bastard. Um, he didn't look really all that fit today, but uh, I think it's coming back and, and we'll see him against Brighton and... Uh, He'll be even better there. And I have Andy Carroll beside him. I know it was probably between him and Chicharito. I uh, I think Carroll, if you're going to play with these uh, with, with Cresswell and you're going to play with Anderson and guys who can put the ball in the air, Carroll is a guy who constantly drags defenders and makes space for his teammates. And if you're making space for Arnautovic and Anderson and Lanzini, uh, that team's going to score some goals. So 
I don't know. Andy Carroll over Chicharito. <laughs> yeah, uh, right. Fair. I, you, I, I did kind of expect your uh, <laughs> Andy Carroll to come in there. But, yeah, uh, I, I can't hide that. <laughs> um, okay, let's go to the benches here. Um, I'll let you go. Maybe you can go through the whole uh, your whole bench, and then I'll go through mine, and we can maybe give a word as you tell the players on why you have them there. Yeah, so, I mean, again, so if we're starting in defense, uh, goalkeeper in defense, Adrian is the natural second choice keeper. And for my two defenders on the bench, I've gone for Fredericks and Reed. Um, I think Fredericks would offer an option of pace down that right hand side, and uh, Reed is by far and away that like, he's better than O'Connor. So I think we're, he's the natural centre back choice there. Uh, and I think, and for my bench, I, or for bench in the uh, midfield, I've gone Wilshire, and then the the only, well, the really tough decision I had was whether to go with Snodgrass or Dean Garner. I think Snodgrass offers a lot in terms of quality of pass, uh, set pieces. If you're really looking to uh, get a team late in the game, that can really help. And Dean Garner has the ability to run a player still. He's got skill to take people on a little bit different to the other wingers we have. Um, and then my two strikers... Uh, on the bench are Chicharito and Cal. I think they both offer something to bring on in the the, uh, the latter start parts of the game, and uh, that kind of thing needs need on the bench. You, you need to have that kind of that change, and we don't have a another striker sort of in the same mould as Arnautovic. So you, you have to you can't have that option of a like for like, unfortunately. Yeah, I. I... I'm similar to you and, and very different in other aspects. Keeper, Adrian, of course, you have to have someone there. Defenders, I have Reed, like you said, better than Ogbonna. No need to go into that. I had Mazuaku ahead of uh, Fredericks just because mm-hmm. um, Mazuaku, we know what he is, so you can use him a little bit more effectively. We don't really know what Fredericks is. He hasn't had enough run of games yet. So um, Mazuaku, I have full – he could be almost like an inverted – like you said, inverted forwards or wingers. He could be an inverted uh, – an inverted wing back or, or fullback. So I can see him playing on the right side should he need to come in for Zabaleta. I can see him playing as a forward uh, where Anderson is, or I can see him coming in for Cresswell. He has maybe a little bit more use there. For midfielders, um, I, I don't know if it was voluntary or not, but I completely forgot about putting Mark Noble in this side. But as I'm looking at the team, I'm like, based purely on skill. And like you said, Noble walks. Er, Noble is so important to West Ham that it takes that almost out of it. My midfielders I have are Snodgrass and Yarmolenko. Snodgrass, central and right. Yarmolenko, purely on that right side. Um, and then my strikers, I have uh, Chicharito and Antonio. Again, Chicharito is your basic standard fox-in-the-box striker, whereas Antonio gives you you know, center forward. Is he a winger? He can play fullback. So uh, a little bit more options with him there. Uh, but yeah, there's our there's our best and and most fit starting 11s on the team. I, I'm happy that there was some things that we disagreed with here a little bit. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, it's not too often that we uh, disagree on too much. So that was quite nice to at least have a a, a chat about uh, something that wasn't. Oh yeah, that's good. A good point. Yeah. Well, well argued. Um, okay. Uh, we'll do a, a little quick overview here ahead of the January transfer window of any sort of thoughts we have on who the team should bring in thoughts on the the current transfer rumors as it stands um you have a you have a pretty 
strong stance on the January window. What are your, what are your thoughts for West Ham in regards to business they should do in January? Yeah, I wrote an article uh, this week saying I, I genuinely don't think West Ham should be too worried about doing business in January. Not that uh, our team is perfect, but I just I don't feel you get too much value for money in January. There are a certain player. I mean, we're getting Nasri in. Uh, that's almost certain now. Uh, Ex WHU employee has all but confirmed it and. Uh, he's an oracle as far as this kind of thing goes. So if if he's saying it's almost confirmed, it's almost confirmed. And I'd expect to see Nasri and Claren Blue by the end of the month. Um, and that will help us. Um, there are a couple of sort of backup options that we could get into. But in terms of improve, like what what we need now is, is not so much backup options, but like things that are really going to improve certain positions. And like if you're looking at left back, um, you're looking at a potential for or maybe even a right back with the issues that we've had around Fredericks not really uh, showing he was up to standard early on and then Zabaleta potentially leaving at the end of the season uh, and you're looking at someone in striker uh, you're not getting these kind of players for any good any kind of money uh, any kind of value for money sorry uh, in January They're, no one's going to be uh, letting go a Premier League class fullback for cheap in January. Uh, there's not anywhere that I know that there's just a an abundance of them. They're like there's no team that's just sitting with like three left back, like Premier League quality left backs, that's willing to sell, uh, or that someone else wouldn't be interested in and will force up the price. It's it's a really tough time to make any value. I mean we've we've gone in. We've been in position for the last, well, pretty much the entirety of West Ham in the Premier League, apart from a couple of seasons where we've been going, we need this. So we've we've signed strikers, we've signed defenders, we've signed midfielders, we've signed wingers, we've signed absolutely every position, and very few of them have come good. I mean, even Snodgrass, who we signed in January, didn't do anything that season. He was used completely wrong. Uh, because we we went, oh, we need someone to replace Pyatt. He who's a left side midfielder. Oh, Snodgrass is left footed. Let's <laughs> sign him. He's doing well. And it's like, well, no, no, he's actually a right side midfielder. He was that's he was right. It was on this right on the right and in the middle that he was doing bits for Hull. So you really, really have to know what you're doing. If they've got targets that they've identified before and they couldn't get sorted with like sorted last summer great I do not want us to go and buy random players for the sake of it it's it, I can't see it doing anything good for the team and it, we've also got players in central midfield for example um, in the youth team we've, had, we've seen uh, Connor Coventry uh, play for us Joe uh, Powell Joe he's a he's a good um, good prospect and then you've got players like Sunday Silva Nathan Holland Digana. you but you start buying backup players you crush their chances of coming in and I don't think that's good for anyone uh, so yeah I think unless we're really uh, I don't know maybe if, if Sabaleta turned like breaks his leg it then we kind of have to do it but I don't want to be just signing random backup players or 
trying to find a player that might be better because they very rarely are and they'll cost them on a leg in January. Yeah, I, uh, I I like where you're coming from there. Sort of like the play it cool, the the calm, um, do your business when it's more uh, cost effective for you. Um, that being said, uh, I think there's some moves that you're going to see. Um, as far as coming in, I agree with you, Nasri, all but all but done. Uh, I think he'll sign on the first and play on the second or be in the squad at least on the second. Um According to X, he said all the teammate, all his teammates are blown away by his skills and his ability and training. So hopefully that translates and he gets some of that city magic back with him. Um, outside of that, Metal, Gary Metal, uh, the guy from Medell, maybe the Chilean who's with uh, Basictus, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, he's a backup player, but he provides cover in multiple positions. Um, so that could be a good one there. And Chilean, so he has the links to uh, to, to Pellegrini, I assume. Um, there's been links to Wanyama, who I is injury-prone as well, I believe. I think he's out injured right now. Um, I don't see West Ham and Tottenham making a deal anyways. Uh, I just – there's too much there. Um, Danny Drinkwater is interesting. I don't see us buying him, but I could see potentially a loan for him. Klein and Dak, possible targets for the summer at, at fullback. Um, someone – Actually, there's a couple people, and they're older, and they're veteran guys, so you wouldn't have long-term commitments to them. Um, but they're also people I wouldn't necessarily think that are crushing the dreams of those younger kids who are looking to push their way up. Um, number one would be Sesc Fabregas from Chelsea. I don't know if he's been talked about at all, but he barely gets any minutes anymore. And uh, he's someone who – he's only 31. He's got a lot left to give, and he is an unbelievable uh just player he sees the game in a, in a really really amazing way and could be someone uh that could come into a midfield role and sort of organize the team a little bit there uh aaron ramsey i don't think it's likely at all but uh he would be the perfect midfield partner uh to declan rice to, to sort of go box to box same with uh adrian or adrian uh rabio you wrote a piece about him how he would it's unlikely but would be amazing even if it was just for the second half of the season um for me, Alan St. Max- Maximin, I wrote about him. He's a player from o- OGC Nice uh, in uh, France's League One or League Un. Um, small right-sided uh, attacker who can also play at striker or secondary striker, even in the number 10 role. So, um, again, someone to look at there. Um, for me, if you're moving out, I think I think if they get an offer for Lucas Perez, he's gone in January. Um he was sort of a cover option who's been relied on too much. And because of that, he's been sort of exposed as the kind of player that he is. Uh, not really of any quality. He had the opportunity to score two goals against Southampton early in that match to sort of close it out before it even started and missed both of them. Um, I don't see him as being here through the end of January. I'd move on from him, from Reese Oxford. Ogbonna, if there's if there's a replacement lined up and you get a decent weight, uh, d- decent money for him. Same with Obiang. He's not getting the minutes he needs. He has a lot of value, and he's wanted by clubs in Italy. So if if all those things line up to there being a high-money transfer for him, um, sure, do that. Open up a spot for a youngster. Um, but for me, there, there's there's one player I would really want. It's a striker. His name's Sandro Wagner. He's with Bayern Munich right now. He's played 90 minutes in one cup game for them this year. He has started but once in the Bundesliga. Uh, he is... 
a player of the same ilk of, as Carroll, but he's better with uh, holding up the play by himself uh, and can shoot with uh, with some sort of uh, skill <laughs> from a little bit further out. And uh, he he's he's someone I think who has spent time in Germany and maybe would would you know relish the opportunity to come to to, to England and in, in London, let alone and and show what he's got there. Outside of that, there are the links to. Uh, the, the teams in Portugal, uh, Porto, I believe, West Ham has uh, some negotiations with. Um, so maybe Danilo Pereira, but he would probably be around 30 plus million. Same with uh, Marega, the striker. I could see he's sort of an Arnautovic style striker, which has me licking my chops. But again, that may be a summer move due to the wages for that. But um, lots of targets, lots of people there. Sandro Wagner, watch out for that one. I, I, uh, I think that could be a name that has some, some weight to it. Um, all right. Other than that, we'll, we'll jump into our preview for the Brighton match and we'll close up the podcast. Thanks for oh, listening. sorry. Just, oh. I did forget one uh, I would be quite interested in Ooh, is the, uh, we, we, we see, uh, we apparently we've asked, uh, Chelsea about, uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek as a, um, a loan option. Um, I quite like it because he's the kind of player that would, probably move to somewhere uh, I don't think he's going to stay at Chelsea because they they don't have much patience they're a side that will buy to fill space rather than wait and I think he could come in to West Ham and fill like uh, really sort of back up a number of player, players positions at the moment and potentially just cement down a position he's, he's fast he's physical he's good on the ball and I think if we loaned him with a view to buy or even just an option to buy it would be a great move for the club you know what if even if that fee was like 30 million pounds or something i think that's money well spent if you could have a a, a, a midfield pairing of rice and loftus cheek for the next five six years uh, west ham would be much better off for that i i agree i completely forgot about that name as well i'm happy you brought it back up there um okay any anything else before i again end the segment here no, no, that's good. <laughs> okay, uh, we'll be back just after this. All right, and the third and final portion of the show is our preview for the upcoming Brighton match. Uh, a team that gave West Ham trouble last season and is continuing to give them trouble this season. They sit behind the Hammers right now in 13th in the table uh, with 25 points. West Ham are ahead of them uh, with 27 points, sitting in 11th. And... Uh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting matchup here. Uh, last time they played, uh, Brighton took their chances. West Ham notably did not take their chances, and uh, it ended up being a Brighton win. So uh, as far as as far as far the teams are concerned, I think that one nothing Brighton win was sort of an outlier uh, in a team that was looking like it was rounding into form for West Ham. Uh, but nonetheless, they're a team that has some attackingly, attacking-minded players and some good skill. Um, I, uh, I think that it'll be a tough one for West Ham, but one they can win. Um, Let's start maybe where we end usually, and, and let's start with some score predictions. Um, they're a pretty tight knit crew. Lewis Dunk and uh, who's their uh, who's their other center back? Lewis Dunk and uh, don't oh, really know too much. Uh, it's on the tip of my tongue. I got it right here. Let me see. Shane Duffy. That's it. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah he's, had a, he's had a bit of an up and down yeah. season recently. He's scored. Uh, I think he scored an own goal, got sent off. I think he's been uh, he's been a classic uh, old-fashioned centre back recently. Yeah, uh, a little bit, 
<laughs> yeah, up and down. If, if they're on their game, they're really solid at shutting down play and, and they're good in the air too they're big boys so uh they they give you a challenge to getting the ball and in, to someone like carol and having a muscle it in so um someone something to watch out for there for sure um but let's look at score predictions here i, I uh i'll let you go first scott do you, do you have any outright ideas for what you think uh this match will hold uh, i think it's going to be a attritional match uh with we're at the end of a very uh, sort of intense run of matches three ma- uh, three matches in a week or so and i think that will lower the quality of the game i don't think you'll see too much or you'll probably see less running from some of the more expressive players so this match could come down to something like set pieces uh maybe a, a mistake at the back or two which if Ogbonna's playing for West Ham, I'm not too <laughs> confident about. <laughs> uh, but Snodgrass, apparently he was taken off today uh, because of, um, uh, like, to like, to safeguard against injury rather than tactical. Um, so I'm hoping he's back and fit for this game. I think he could offer a lot in that respect uh, with the set-piece delivery. Um I think I think we we definitely got the ability to win it, but I don't think we'll keep clean sheet. Uh, I think it'll be two one to West Ham. That's what I'm going to go with. Okay, I like how you justified that. It makes sense to me as well. Um, I, I uh, I'm a little bit different minded here. I think we're going to see um, this team respond to a poor performance uh, at Burnley to a, having a good performance. Uh, hosting Burnley, uh, sorry, hosting Brighton here, and I think we're going to see a big win. Uh, I think we're going to get a three 0 win. Um, I think that the the threat that they have is those creative outside players who get the ball over the top, and they have guys uh, like Glenn Murray who terrorizes West Ham. Um, put the put the ball in there. So they also have that Adonde guy, Locadia is a is a guy who can play up top as well, even though he was off to the to the wing uh, in a 4-5-1 formation against Everton that yielded a result with him scoring. Um, they do like to get the ball over the top. Solly March also likes to take a shot from range. Proper will dip in a, a, a cross. Pascal Gross will dip in a cross. Knockart is a, is a wonderful talent, I think. Um, completely underrated. So, um, oh, I think I made my team mixed up there. Uh, is Knockart not on? Anyways, um, yeah, they, they have they like to go over the top and play with those with those big strikers. And Glenn Murray, like we had said, he is someone who is completely experienced at losing his markers, despite being a, uh, a, a you know an, an, an older, slower guy. Uh, and he's pretty clinical when he gets a chance. So um, I, I just with all that with all that nice thing nice stuff being said against about Brighton, I think we're going to see a response game from West Ham and basically have them show to us. This is the team that we are, not the team you saw fall apart against Burnley. And uh, hopefully Zabaleta's back. Hopefully we have uh, Snodgrass back, hopefully like for a full match. Hopefully we see Andy Carroll starting alongside Arnautovic. And hopefully uh, whoever starts in midfield beside Declan Rice can actually um, show up, make some interceptions, turn over the ball, put some pressure on, bring that physicality, and and uh, and you know show up for the, for the team here. Um Let's do a little combined starting eleven here, and uh, I, I'm going to pull up their team, and we can uh, we can sort of go by that. Um, yeah, um, I say I, I was just looking at so the players they have out at the moment, and it's three 
important players for them. Or in terms of when West Ham have played them, I've noticed them. Uh, the big one is Matty Ryan. Their goalkeeper is currently away on international duty with Australia at the Asia Cup. Um, so he's a big player. I mean, he's done well. I mean, I don't know. Their, their second keeper must have played well today because I think they kept a clean sheet this week. Uh, so he has someone coming in behind him, but Matty Ryan's a big big loss for them. I'm not going to try and pronounce this guy, but Jahan Bach. The Iranian uh, winger. Yeah, I'm very sorry for everyone who knows how to pronounce that. Uh, but he played well against us before last time. And Izquierdo is a player that's always seemed dangerous as well. Oh. Uh, and he's, like, they're, they're expected to be back uh, this potentially for this game. But, I mean, the Iranians had a hamstring injury. Izquierdo's had a knee injury. Uh, so I don't think they're going to be coming back and playing 90 minutes. And they're probably not going to be coming back playing out their full capability. So that's looking pretty good for West Ham right now. Yeah, I, the, those are definitely positives and things they can they can sort of use to their um, to their advantage. Yeah, I'm looking here and I don't see Anthony Knockhart, um, who's a really talented player. Uh, so that's a, if he doesn't show up for them, he's so fast. If he doesn't show up for them for that game, then that's that's something that's positive for West Ham as well. But let's look at keepers. I I, I think we're probably on the same page here. But do you have Fabianski or do you have Button? Oh yeah, I'm gonna have Fabianski. I mean, uh, Matthew. I was just said Matthew Ryan's had a decent season, uh, and there are a lot of Australians who say he's a, a very, very uh, good keeper for them as well. Uh, but I don't know anything about their reserve keeper, so it has to be Fabianski. And at right back, Montoya, or we'll say Zabaleta because I think he'll be recovered by then. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I mean, I think if you're comparing Montoya and Antonio, uh, it would be Montoya. But Zabaleta's Premier League winner, he's he's class still in his older age. Yeah, I, I agree with that. If you're going to go between him and someone who's not in position, easy. But when you're when you're just basing it on defensive prowess, um, I think, yeah, Zabaleta there. Uh, interesting one here, Shane Duffy and Lewis Dunk. Uh, we can mix and match as well. Or Issa Diop and... Uh, Angelo Wagbana. That's a really, really interesting one. Uh, I mean, I think Issa Diop is a defender for the future. I think, to be honest, if he's still at West Ham in five years, it probably means we've done really well uh, because I, I, I'm imagining him going off to one of the big teams. Um, hopefully not very soon, but when he's sort of maybe, say, 26, 27, I... If we're not seeing success, I don't think he'll still be here. I think he's that that good a talent, and that I think he's yeah he's got to be in your team. But I think Shane Duffy and Lewis Dunk are both very good, like old-fashioned centre backs as such. Um, I would take either of them over Rob Bonner, for sure. I mean they they are Premier League class. Balbuena has done really. I, I think yeah, this is a tough one. Balbuena has done really well because he's dealt with having like coming into a new league and having a youngster next to him but yeah I would probably probably take one of the Brighton guys alongside the op I'm not either or um, I think they're both very good at what they do 
Yeah, I, I'm going to say uh, Shane Duffy. I think he's the more meaner of the two and and, uh, and uh, a little more physical. Lewis Dunk apparently got a red card uh, against Bournemouth because he didn't know he was on a yellow card when he made a, a foul. So um, <laughs> maybe Duffy's the brighter of the two as well. Um, yeah, I'll take Issa Diop as well. But but Duffy, I think, is a good, good strong leader as well. So uh, I'll take him. Um, Bernardo versus Cresswell at left back. Uh, I think, I mean, if you were to give me their football manager stats, I'd probably, that Cresswell was probably a better player. Um, but I think Bernardo's a, a solid left back. I think he's worked hard. I think he's, he's, he's good at, at defending. I think that's what we do forget that, you know, fullbacks have to be good at first and foremost if they when they get forward and add into the attack that that should be a bonus that shouldn't be their main objective so yeah i think it's uh yeah i think uh, i choose the brian man i will go with cresswell because i'm probably going to end up taking uh andy carroll in this match and those <laughs> two go together pretty well um but yeah it, it, i think that one's a pretty close toss-up as it is anyways um Maybe Cresswell's a little better going forward. Bernardo's a little better staying back. What can you do? Um, okay, uh, they played against Everton, uh, a five-man midfield. Uh, this saw uh, Solly March, Pascal Gross, Stevens, Proper, and Lacadia all across the midfield. Um, for the sake of West Ham, uh, we'll say that we're going to do sort of a, a 4-2-3-1 formation. And mm-hmm. uh, that sort of gives us... Uh, some some guys to I don't know to to slot in correctly there. So if you're going to take two central midfielders uh, out of uh, West Ham's and uh, Brighton's, who are you taking uh, beside yeah. Declan Rice? Well, yeah, I mean that's, <laughs> that's the thing. I think uh, Declan Rice. I, I'd almost say walks into any combined eleven at the moment. I mean, you could argue that, that if we did a combined eleven with Chelsea, you don't pick him because. Jorginho and Kante are both very good at what they do. Uh, I mean, Jorginho is an entirely different holding midfielder to Declan Rice, and they don't seem to be playing um, Kante as a defensive midfielder at the moment. But so Declan Rice right now, uh, yeah, he's a um, standout defensive midfielder. Uh, the other mid central midfielder. I mean, so if we're talking about the other sort of holding midfielder. Um, it's, it's kind of like they've moved. I wouldn't put Pascal Gross in this position. Um, he's he's they play like so they play a flat, quite a flat uh, system here. Uh, the proper is a nice player. Yeah. Uh, he I probably take in terms of pure ability. Um, proper is probably the uh, guy I take uh, again as if we're talking about any kind of West Ham team. Noble gets my nod, but yeah, I'd probably take proper. I think in that area. Yeah, I, I'm I'm tossing it up between proper and uh, and Obiang. If Obiang's the guy you're, you're, that's going to be in the team, I think he may actually after seeing Noble uh, for for this match, you kind of flip them True. there. Um, I think Obiang maybe maybe the one to take him over. But for the sake of this being a combined eleven, I'm going to take proper. Um, I I really I really do rate him and Pascal Gross, but. As you said, Gross isn't really going to be that in that deep position. 
Um, okay, we have our three midfielders, left side, central, right side, left side, Sully March, sorry, right side, Sully March, or uh, do you have Robert Snodgrass there? Um, yeah, this is, so we're, yeah, so we're doing a 4-2-3-1, yeah, so, yes. okay. Uh, I'd probably going to go Snodgrass. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's played exceptionally well this season, and he deserves he deserves to be in that combined 11, I think. Yeah, I, I think Snodgrass edges out Solly Marsh, but I I really think he's an underrated player. He has a shot on him that is uh, just just a step down from world class, and he unleashes it once or twice a match. So watch out if you're uh, if you're the defenders for West Ham there. But he's he's a really good player, um, a player you know if we didn't have Yarmolenko potentially coming back or Diangana coming up through the system, I'd like to see him on West Ham. Um, okay, central midfield. Do you have? Pascal Gross, Stevens, uh, or do you have um, for West Ham? Who would that be, really? Um, yeah, I don't know. We already picked. Uh, oh, yeah, could be Noble. I mean, could be Obiang. I think if you're looking at this position, it's probably someone like Lucas mm-hmm. Perez playing off of the uh, playing off of the striker. Yeah, I, in this in this area, I think Pascal Gross is the best player that's currently playing for either of the two sides. Um, I would take probably Wilshire or, or and definitely take Lanzini over him. But um, yeah, at the moment Pascal Gross is a is a very creative player. Uh, if you were putting him in this position, enable him to get wide as well. He's very dangerous. Yeah, Pascal Gross. He he takes it for me there. He is yeah, just just so creative. Uh, I think he's uh, if you're not going to play uh, two strikers. Uh, he's he's your guy to fill that void, uh, and then left side Locadia, who's the goal scorer against Everton, or Felipe Anderson. Yeah, Felipe Anderson. Yeah, it's not uh, a good choice. I think Felipe Anderson's probably one of, if not the best player outside the top six. I know it's a huge call to make, like just a sweeping statement across all <laughs> positions. But yeah, he's there's very few players outside the top six that can take a game and just change it. And so we did against Southampton. It's what has has the ability to do. Uh, people were talking about uh, Zaha at the beginning of the season being uh, a better player than him. And what's the, what's Zaha done? What's he done this season, really? Um, so yeah, I think you, if you're talking about best players outside the top like top teams in the league, he has to be in that conversation. Yep, and I think that there's no real way to disagree with that. And if you're going at a stri- for strikers here, are you going uh, Adone? Are you going uh, Glenn Murray? Are you going Carroll Arnautovic, uh, who is not 100%? Are you going to go Perez? Are you going to go Chicharito? What do you think? Well, I, I take a, a wobbly Arnautovic over the, the of those. I think I don't know Andoni. Uh, Glenn Murray is he's, 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 the best way to describe him is effective. He, he does the same. I, I don't understand he, how he keeps scoring goals because he doesn't seem to move at a great pace. He doesn't seem to do anything different, but he does it so well that he just ends up in the right area and the players aren't tracking him all the time and he scores. He's a great finisher. Can't get that weight, that, take that away from him at all. And uh, But I still take on Artovich. Yeah, I'm with you there too. All right, now let's pick our bet. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a strong starting <laughs> eleven here. Uh, in a four two, in a in a yeah four two three one, we have Lucas Fabianski, Pablo Zabaleta, Shane Duffy, Issa Diop, uh, Bernardo slash Cresswell in a toss up uh, defensive midfield. We have uh, 
Declan Rice alongside uh, Usab Proper, I think, right? Yeah. Proper. Yeah. Uh, and then in our three midfielders, we have Robert Snodgrass, Pascal Gross, Felipe Anderson, and then we have Marco Arnautovic up top there. Um, that's a pretty solid team, if I'm being honest. Um, yeah. So... As it stands now, we can sort of exhale. The Burnley loss is gone. We've talked about West Ham for the better part of an hour now. <sighs> Take a deep breath in, deep breath out. It's been a hectic time. We're on to Brighton now. Brighton's actually on to us. They're, they're coming into our stadium. Uh, it's time for West Ham to sort of make a statement here. Take our chances when we get them. Create more and show everyone that they're not the uh, the team that lost to uh, Burnley 2-0. Uh, Scott, any final thoughts? What are you thinking ahead of this uh, this match and in the state of West Ham at the at the end of 2018 here? Yeah, I, I, what I want is just them to just go, as you say, go and show them they're not the same team, that they are capable of better. And so far we've done well bouncing back. I mean, we did well to bounce back from the Watford defeat with a good performance at Southampton. And I'm hoping that this shows a little bit more resilience now that we don't become a side that it's streaky. Like uh, we win a lot in a row, and then we'll lose a lot in a row. We'll win a lot in a row. Like we need to show that we can just go out if we're winning, and then something happens, we just bounce straight back. Uh, we need to show that the performances are there. Um, that we don't seem to have got many draws this <laughs> this season. Um, it's a case of uh, win or lose, but it's. Yeah, it's exciting, and I think we have the side capable of winning this game, and we should believe in that, and we should go out there and play with the enjoyment that football brings uh, to start the new year. I can't disagree or add on anything to that uh, from Scott and myself and the, the crew at the Green Street Hammers. Thank you for everyone who has supported us through 2018 uh, and for the uh, support for the podcast starting in September of this year. Uh, on to bigger and be- better things for 2019. Uh, let's go West Ham, and we'll see you guys next year. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.